0: Officially open. T-minus seven days. That's where we are. Well, I guess it depends when you're listening to this. But it's definitely draft season. We're at the peak of draft season. John Schmo, Tony Pauline with you. The NFL Draft is a week away, folks. It's exciting. We're pumped up. We're ready to go. Last week, we did our offensive position breakdowns going deeper than our kind of top five and tens and guys that we really like second day, a little bit of third day in there too, and we'll do that on defense today. At the end of the show, a lot of you submitted some Twitter questions. We will get to those too, Uh, but first, I always like to have Tony open his notebook a little bit. He has his ear to the ground. He has his uh, phone on his cheek, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, Tony. So as these teams now are getting close to the completion of their draft meetings. Most teams will have their boards set by the end of the weekend, if not by Friday this week, depending on how teams operate. What are some of the things you're starting to hear? And I'm going to throw a couple of things I've heard at you and see what you think. Yeah.
1: I mean, and really this weekend, beginning of next week is when the information will start to flood out. But I mean, the big two things that I've heard over the past 24 to 48 hours is a lot of teams have Hendon hooker as their third-rated quarterback, as QB3, as I do. And I still think Anthony Richardson and Will Levis will likely be selected before Hendon Hooker uh, because of the injury. But the more I hear, you know, it only takes one team, but don't be surprised if Will Levis, you know, is, is selected go, or drops much further in the draft than people are expecting. And then the other uh, thing that I'm hearing is, you know, we knew it was kind of a blase, if you will, re- wide receiver class. And that is coming more and more into focus. I'm told right now there are only two teams, but there were only two uh, receivers that have first round grades. Jackson Smith and the Jigba, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers may go in the first round. Jordan Addison of USC may go in the first round. There are some teams that have a third round grade on Jordan Addison because of the combination of the smaller frame. And the lack of deep speed, even though he is a great route runner, a pass catcher. So I think uh, that we may be in some in for some surprises uh, come draft night as far as the receivers are concerned with fewer receivers than we expect being selected in round one. All
0: right. Here are a couple of things that I've kind of noticed as people that I think, you know, talk to people with some of their mock drafts. And they've kind of put this out there. And I think, you know, I trust them, Tony, to an extent. Are you sure the Texans are going to stay put and take a quarterback at number two if Bryce Young's off the board? There seems to be a lot of noise there that maybe they move out and pick a quarterback later. Maybe they, you know, just trade out completely. What are you hearing about Houston at two? I
1: have not heard anything as of yet. I'm sure I will hear something next week because literally the Monday or Tuesday before last year's draft is when I started reporting that the Texans were going to take
0: Stingley with that third pick, yeah, uh, you are right on, by the way.
1: Which really, you know, was uh, was a bit of a bombshell. I've heard nothing. I've heard the rumors about Cesario possibly leaving after the draft. I'm told that's very unlikely to happen. I think I will have a better next week's show. I'll have a better grip on what's going to on
0: what the Texans may do. And Bryce Young locked in at number one at this point. Have you heard that? I, you know. A lot of people have told me that a lot of people
1: in the, in the league have said, yeah, that's the way it looks. That's the way it seems. I'm just going to hedge my bets until the beginning of next week.
0: Fair. And the other sense that I'm getting Tony, just in terms of big draft trends. And one of our shows next week will be, I'll kind of set up a bunch of big draft questions for Tony and he'll try to kind of answer them for us with what he's hearing. It seems to me that corners an offensive lineman, which is a need for a lot of teams in like the top 15-ish, 18-ish, I think they're going to fly off the board in this draft. And to your point, I think wide receivers are going to get pushed down a little bit.
1: And that should not come as a surprise to anybody because, you know, the media is all quarterback hungry and the quarterbacks you, you take up all the oxygen in the room when it comes to the draft and the media. Historically, you look back at the drafts And teams always want offensive linemen in in plenty amounts, or they draft them uh, much earlier than people expect, especially offensive tackles. Teams always want cornerbacks. (laughs) They always draft them. I mean, a couple of years ago, we had, what, six cornerbacks selected in the first round, and three guys uh, were surprised first round picks. I believe two of them are no longer in the league. One guy's a backup. Uh, So that's not unusual. And they want pass rushers. So, you know, what you're saying, you know, kind of, fits in to the history of the draft, even though it may come as a surprise to people.
0: All right, so here's what we did today. We're focusing on defense, and we've set it up into six different groups, and we're going to go through Tony's top tens, any other sleepers he might have, and then we can uh, take a look at some of the guys that we like in those groups. We're going to do five, but then I think Tony made a great point. There are so many edge rushers in this class. We've kind of split that into defensive line edge rushers, and 3-4 outside linebacker edge rushers. So that's how we set and it and up.
1: And just, John, just if I can, you know, I, I mean, I'm a traditionalist. And, you know, you talk about Nolan Smith being an edge rusher, or Keon White being an edge rusher. I don't like to broad brush or kind of pigeonhole those guys because they're so much more complete players. Yeah, and Tony, know? by the way, if you they stand support.
0: those two guys next to each other, they don't play the same position. Like one's 40 pounds heavier than the other. Right. Exactly. But
1: they want to be classified as edge rushers. Right. In my opinion, that's wrong for, you know, for those players. That's even wrong. Listen, Bill Parcells used to say you're a football player. Doesn't matter, you know, what position you could play football. And that's what these guys do so well.
0: All right. So let's start with the edge players, because I think that's probably a good place to go. People are very excited about them. So let's lead off with them, Toby. Then we'll have a defensive tackle after we hit the edge, guys. We'll start off with the bigger guys that are more of your traditional 4-3 ends here. And this is your top 10, and then we'll pick talk about some of the guys we haven't done much on yet. Tyree Wilson at number one, Miles Murphy at number two, Lucas Van Ness at number three, all three of those players with first-round grades for you. Keon White, number four, with a one-slash-two, so end the first round, beginning of second. Tuli Tui Pelotu, with a second-round grade as your number five. I don't think we've talked much about him, so we'll touch on him too. Zach Harrison at number six from Ohio State, the big edge player for them. Felix Enaduki Uzama, a good player we have not talked about much here. You have a second- or third-round grade on him. Tulian Harrison you have second-round grades on. Then you have third-round grades on Colby Wooden, Valami Fahoko, who I think we talked about a little about last week, Yaya Diaby, and Mike Morris at number 11 for you. All right, Tony, I'm going to kind of do a couple of questions, and then we'll kind of talk about the guys we want to talk about. Any chance Tyree Wilson bumps ahead of Will Anderson for the first defensive end edge rusher off the board or no?
1: I'd be shocked. I mean, he's a little bit bigger. He's got better growth potential. I would absolutely be shocked. You look at Will Anderson's body of work, you know, but 2022 was an off year for him, yet he still had great numbers because he was so fantastic in 2021. I'd be surprised.
0: Fair enough. All right, now let's go a little bit deeper down this list here. Uh, You kind of have them in tiers, right? You have the first two guys, Wilson and Murphy. They kind of stand above the other guys, I think. You have Van Ness coming in next. Then you have kind of these bigger guys, right? You have Van Ness, Keon White. Tui Pelotu, who was kind of a tweener last year, right? Zach Harrison, a bigger edge player. Let's look at that group first. What is it that kind of stands out, especially with Tui Pelotu and Zach Harrison, that gives you second-round grades on those guys?
1: I think Tui Pelotu is, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. 6'3", 266 pounds, the combine. Doesn't have great growth potential. He was, you know, told told or characterized me as a big, fast, athletic guy, you know, who was able to rush the passer, which he does well, and he's very intense. As far as I know, he's not run the 40 before the uh, before uh, the draft. Didn't run at the Combine. Didn't run at USC Pro Day, which he said he had a hamstring issue, and USC Pro Day was run under a deluge. I mean, it was basically a flood on the field. Can't yeah. blame him for not running. Uh, so I, I think, you know, he sort of, you know – is he a defensive end and a four-man front? He's not big enough to use as a three-technique guy. He can stand over tackle. He did that rather successfully at USC. Uh, I think he is a good player. He doesn't have a, a great amount of upside, which I believe Zach Harrison does. And I think Zach Harrison is, is underrated. 6'5", 200, I'm sorry, 6'5", uh, yeah, 269 pounds, four six seven in the 40. I was at the Pro Day. He's insanely athletic. If you watch the film, I mean, he's a guy who goes very hard. He's not just an edge rusher. He shows a good inside move. You go back and you watch that the game against Maryland where it was kind of nip and tuck at the end of the game. He torched Jalen Duncan twice late in the game and basically secured the game for Ohio State. He's got outstanding growth potential. So, I mean, I, I have Tui Pelotu rated slightly higher than Zach Harrison. Two or three years down the road, it wouldn't surprise me if Harrison turns out to be the better player.
0: Yeah, I don't think either guy is super bendy like that, that. You know, they're gonna get on the edge like a Brian Burns or whatever, and bend it. But I think both play with good power. To your point, and I think they use that strength in their size pretty well. I want to touch on Aduki Ozama, who yeah. you have a second and third round grade on. I have um, Tui Pelotu and Harrison as a two three a so second slash third round. I have uh, Aduki Ozama myself ahead of them, and I got to be honest with you, Tony. I just think he used a lot of different moves. I thought has I thought he has a lot of tricks in his bag. He uses his length. He does the push-pull with the length, right, to get the offensive lineman off balance. He is a quick inside moves. He can bend a little bit off the edge, too. So, you know, I think he's going to be a pretty good player. I thought his run defense can use a little bit of work. I think he's not as stout as you want in the edge. But as a pass rusher, I think he's going to come in, and he's going to be pretty effective right away. I like him a lot.
1: Where are you going to use him, most? Six three and a and a half, 255 yeah, pounds? Is question. he a bend? Is he a stand-up? I agree, and he plays strong for his size. He's not a guy that gets obliterated at the point. He's very, uh, you know, raw. He, he needs to improve his techniques. Good movement skills. Can get down the line of scrimmage in pursuit. Didn't time in the 40 before the draft, although he timed in the three cone. He ran a decent three cone, which I'm wondering why, you know, he's running the three cone and not the 40. Is he trying What was his three something? cone? I believe it was under seven. It was like 695 or something. That's nice. It was a good time. And he shows those movement skills on film. I mean, he's a guy who can change direction. You mentioned the inside move. He can he can chase from the backside. I just think he's going to have to get a little bit bigger. He's going to have to get a little bit stronger. He really is going to have to complete his game. Does he have more upside than two below two? Possibly. But I think right now he's got more downside risk as
0: well. Tony, I have not watched Colby Wooden or Velami Fajoko. They're on my list for this week as I cram to get ready here. Give me your rundown on those two guys, and then I'll touch on Diaby and Morris.
1: I have watched Colby Wooden for three years now, and as a freshman, I thought Colby Wooden was a surefire first-round prospect. I mean, what he showed as a freshman at Auburn, it just blew me away. But his game seemingly leveled off and even kind of regressed. He never improved the way I had hoped he would improve. 6'4, 273 pounds, runs a 4.79. Is he a defensive end? Is he an interior guy? He's someone who has got a lot of potential, has got a big body of work, showed a lot of possibilities early in his Auburn career, but has really got to start to pick up his game. He's really someone's got a lot of fire in this guy because if he doesn't, you know, start to produce and start to play up to his level of expectations. He's going to be looking for a new line of work real, real soon. Uh Fajoko is a guy, San Jose State, not too many people talk about him because San Jose State plays at 1030 at night on Saturday night. Uh, but he is a guy who, you know, has the intensity of many of the guys that we spoke about, has the movement skills and the athleticism. 6'4, 282 pounds, ran a 472. uh at uh, at pro day he shows those great movement skills he plays like his hair's on fire he he's not a pure edge rusher although he is a good pass rusher he's a good run stopper he he can get down the line of scrimmage he makes a lot of athletic plays and he's a guy who is athletic with good size with growth potential who just go 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 all the time i mean he is someone who is very enjoyable to watch and I think a defensive coordinator is going to take a liking to him or a defensive coach is going to take a liking to him because of his approach and because of the fact you could probably do so many things with him, you know, down the road as he develops his game.
0: All right, I'm gonna to jump to Yaya Diaby here from Louisville Tony, but he caught my eye at the senior bowl where I thought as the week went along, he played better and better. Then he tested really well at the combine. He ran a four-five-one, 40-yard dash. And when I watched him, Look, I think he's really raw, but he's got a great motor. He plays really hard. He knows how to use his strength. He knows how to use his length. He just has to develop more pass rush moves, but I think it's there, and I think if you can figure out how to harness what he has, I think he'd be a really great fit, and I think Mike Morris is kind of the opposite, right, who's your last guy here, where, to me, he's solid. You know what you're getting. I almost see him as a 3-4 end where he's almost playing that, you know, 4-I-5 technique rather than rushing off the edge his testing was just so poor. And I'm sure he might even be off the board for some teams with how bad his testing was.
1: Well, his testing was poor because I believe he had a ankle injury. And Mm -hmm. I was told that at the combine where he was told not to, you know, run the 40, but he decided of his own volition to run it because he was competitive. But I I know for a fact that really since the combine, he had an ankle injury that he hurt during training and that has really hampered him. Uh, But you're right. I I mean, the, the testing numbers are going to hurt, especially since he's, an underclassman. And you, you know, you really don't know. There's not a lot of information on him. Six, five, 275 pounds. You're right. He's sort of, is he stand up over at, at end type of guy? Is he a four, three end? Is he a three, four guy? You know, what do you do with him? He's going to have to fill out his frame. He's going to have to develop his game. I think with Diaby, I, you know, he kind of played defensive end in Louisville, but he had the athleticism to stand over tackle. He's a smaller defensive end at 265 pounds, which I think hurt him against the uh, run, but He's got great athleticism. He is a real good pass rusher. I think what will happen is they'll develop him and use him in different roles and have him progress on the field as a guy who could stand up over uh, tackle on occasion as someone who comes out of a three-point stance in a four-man line. And really, he's got a great amount of upside just based on the testing numbers alone. Never mind the fact he's been a good player for a couple of years at Louisville. He's not a one-year wonder.
0: Yeah, all right, Let, let's go to the outside linebacker edges. So those are the smaller guys. A lot of the guys we've talked a bunch about, so we'll skip over them. Will Anderson at one, Nolan Smith at two, B.J. Ogilari at three. You do have a first-round grade on Ogilari. Uh, you have Will McDonald as a one-slash-two. I have those two guys very close to each other myself, the Ogilari and McDonald. Uh, Byron Young out of Tennessee, who we've talked about, the very raw but 25-year-old edge rusher out of uh, Tennessee who ran a ridiculous four four one at the Combine. Then here's the interesting guys. You have Trenton Simpson here. At six two two thirty five, and we've talked about him. and we kind of struggled playing that inside linebacker position, Tony, in terms of seeing things. So right. uh, let's start there. You like him as, as more of a run and hit guy. Then you have Derek Hall, Isaiah Foskey, Nick Herbig, Nick Hampton. We'll hit all those guys. But first, Simpson, in terms of right. where you think he's going to fit in the modern NFL, because it's like his position is almost being faded out, like faded out a little bit in a lot of ways.
1: Right, you think you, you think he's a traditional four three weak side linebacker, right? Right. He's got great athleticism. He covers a lot of area on the field. You know, you watch the film. He'll go 40 yards downfield with the receiver, run step for step with the receiver and cover the receiver. And he doesn't do a bad job. The problem with Simpson, and I said it all along, even in my summer preview, is, you know, you can tell the instincts aren't there. He's more a guy who thinks rather than reacts. And what happens is when he thinks, uh, you know, the play is already in process and he's able to make up for it with his great athleticism. That's going to be a difficult, uh, you know, you can't do that as easily on Sunday. May it recover with that speed because everyone's so much faster. Where does he fit? Well, I mean, there are still teams that run, use a weak side linebacker. You can probably stick him on the inside of a 3-4 as a run and chase sort of linebacker. Christian Kersey had a lot of uh, success doing that. So I think somebody will find a, a place for him because of the athleticism, because of his ability to get from point A to point B so quickly and his cover skills. I mean, the fact is, Third and six, you don't have to take them off the field. You say you cover number eighty five, you know the tight end. You stay with them step for step, you know anywhere on the field, and he has the athleticism to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Foskey and Derek Hall are your next two. Hall's right. your other guy with a second round grade. Foskey with a third round grade. You know Foskey. To me, he's a solid guy that you can play. He just doesn't have the the athletic traits to me to be a big-time pass rusher. He'll be productive. He'll get his numbers, but to me, he's a rotational defensive end type, maybe an average starter at best. I love Derek Hall. Now, I'm a sucker for some of these undersized pass rushers because I just like their juice. I think he gets on the edge. He has his little dip and rip move. He uses his length well, Tony. I, I know he's smaller and he's only 250 pounds, but I think if you get him in the right system, he could be a really efficient designated pass rusher in his first year on third downs at DPR, and then you can hopefully deepen out the rest of his game or he can give you a little bit more over a longer period of time.
1: See, I'm going to disagree with you because when you watch the film, he does more than just rush up the field. He gets out in the space to make plays. He gets out in the flanks in coverage. He's good against the run. I, I mean, he's one of those guys that, well, he's an edge rusher. In my opinion, no, he's got a real, he's not a great, he's not great in coverage. He's not a Trent Simpson that's going to go 30 yards down the field with, an, you know, with opponents. But you wanted somebody that can play, you know, when in the box, in the 10 to 15 yard area or 10 yard area, getting out to the sidelines, making plays against the run and pursuit, covering tight ends. And oh, yeah, rushing the passer. Hall has shown the ability to do that throughout his Auburn career. Foskey, I, I tend to agree with you. Foskey's a good pass rusher. Is he a defensive end? You're to stand him up over we tackled, Did run 4-5-8 or at the combine, which is a good time. Uh, and has shown those pass rush skills. The problem with Foskey, as we saw at the senior bowl, once a blocker gets his hands on him, game over. So he's going to have to improve his strength. He's going to have to prove that he's more than just a guy who likes to rush the edge wide and get up the field, and he's got to develop a complete game.
0: All right, give me Nick Herbig and Nick Hampton. What do those guys bring?
1: Yeah, Herbig is a tough, intense not overly athletic 3-4 uh, uh, outside linebacker who can rush the pass at 240 pounds. Hampton's a guy who, you know, he's a smaller edge rusher. And we talked to Jim Nagy about this. You remember before the senior bowl, and I asked, are they going to use Nick Hampton in space at all to get him to make plays in reverse? Because throughout his Appalachian State career, all he did was basically line up, uh, stand up over tackle, and make plays up the field. And Nagy's response on the show was, well, he's a great pass rusher. Why take him out of that element? So that's the way teams like him. I would like to see him develop more of a complete game. Six, two and a half, 236 pounds. Uh, tough, intense guys. My, my concern with Hampton is how is he going to disengage from blocks at the next level? The NFL is a lot more difficult than the Sunbelt. You know, playing against Coastal Carolina and, you know, those, those you know, middle of the road teams there. Uh, so he's going to have to develop uh, more of a complete game.
0: Agreed. Let's go to the defensive tackle spot here, Tony. Uh, you have Jalen Carter as your number one, Brian Brzee as your number two, at a Tommywa, at a out of Northwestern as your number three with a one, two grade. I think people will raise their eyebrows and say, Whoa, ahead of Mozzie Smith. Well, they're literally right next to each other on your board. They're like ganged up. And right behind them is Kalaja Kansi. And right behind him is Keanu Benton, to be honest with you. So, that's kind of a group you have there right at the end of the first round, top of the second round, Tony. I think you can make an argument to order those guys any way you want. Uh, just yeah. your thoughts on how you kind of stack those four and why.
1: Well, I, I mean, Eddie Abouari is a guy you could use him on the inside. You can use him on the outside. You know, he's got adequate size at six one and a half, 283 pounds, but he looks like a big guy. As you know, we were sitting next to each other and and he was dominant three days of senior practice. He could not be stopped against what was good offensive linemen. I mean, he was there every single day on the outside, on the inside, didn't have great production at Northwestern. But the fact is, he was basically the only guy on that Northwestern uh, defensive line. Then went up, then went to the combine and just blew up the combine. What was it? 37 and a half inch vertical jump, four, four, nine in the 40. I was told four, I was uh, reporting four, five, five, and I, I was even slow. And if you ever get to talk to Wari, you'll fall in love with him because the guy is articulate. He's intelligent. I sat down with him for a half hour at the Combine. We actually talked about track and field more than we talked about football. He's a great conversationalist. Uh, you know, just uh, many things you can do with with, with him, and I think he's going to be a great pro. Mozzie Smith's been one of my favorite guys for three years, and I've said it this. You know, when people were talking about David Jabu and, and, and Aiden Hutchinson and Mike Morris – it was 58 in the middle of the field who was occupying the gaps, who was taking on two or three blockers that allowed those guys on the edge to make those plays. I am disappointed that we didn't get to see him test because if you go back to the first show that we did in August of last year, we had Bruce Feldman on. I think Mozzie Smith was the number one guy on his freak list and was supposed to run under seven seconds in the uh in the three cone. was going to have a vertical jump in the mid-30s in and in a, in a huge, uh, super fast 40-time. We didn't get to see any of that, which disappoints me. I also think he didn't show much improvement in his game, but still. I mean, six foot three, two 232 pounds. He can make plays. Not a great pass rusher, but he can penetrate the line of scrimmage, make plays behind the line of scrimmage, does a lot of things well. Uh, I am not as high on Kalaji Kansi as most people. You see some people have him in the middle of the first round. I have him as a second-round pick. Could he go late first round? I agree, but you know, Kansi was a real good college player. 6'1", 281 pounds on a Pittsburgh Panther defensive line that had good talent on it. They're going to have the kid Baldonado, the defenseman, who's going to get selected in day three. They've got the other kid, Desir Alexander, who may go seventh round. If he's not seventh round, he's a priority free agent. So Kalijah Kansi, even though he had great production, had all this good talent around him to spread out the blockers. And you watch him, as far as I'm concerned, he is a one-dimensional, three-technique tackle. There is a need for that at the next level, although, you know, there's not a great need because not all teams use that type of player. Small guy, doesn't have great growth potential. I just think that he is limited compared to the other guys, which is why I have him graded after Adebowari, after uh, Mozzie Smith. He may be selected beforehand, you know, earlier, but I just think he has limitations compared to those guys.
0: And I love Keanu Benton. You know, you want a nice double in the gap for a second-round pick. He can stop the run. He can rush the passer. He was probably the second-best defensive lineman at the Senior Bowl after Adebarre. I think he's just really, really solid, Tony. I love him. I like him a lot.
1: Yeah. I had two good days of practice at the Senior Bowl. Kind of tailed off at the end. The first day was really good. The, the only thing about I'll say about uh, Benton is, you know, you go back and you watch the Ohio State film, and Luke Whipler, who's a smaller guy, just dominate him, just absolute dominant. Benton was not even around. He never heard his name called. Uh, and Ohio State blew, blew Wisconsin away that game. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, is he a playmaker? He was a playmaker at, at Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I like him as a player. I just don't love him. And that Ohio State game, and I, I hate grading players on one single game. I never do it. But that Ohio State game where Whipler took him out of the contest – just, I just can't stop uh, thinking about
0: that game. Well, Tony, to feel better about him, go watch his game against John Michael Schmitz against Minnesota. I will, and that, yeah. It, and, that's funny you said. And, and that'll make you feel better about him. This he actually, I think, got the better of John Michael Schmitz in that game. All right, the rest of the tackles real quick. I'll just run down a couple things on a couple of these guys, and you can take it however you want, Tony. Uh, Gervon Dexter tested great at the Combine. You watch him. I, I don't know if it's it's like he has a built-in, like, two-second delay on his get-off. Like, the ball snapped. He yeah. sits there, and then he goes, and I don't understand why. If he could fix that, I think he could be a pretty good player. Uh, Siaki Ika, just a big, plodding, you know, two-gap type of guy. You know, I don't see much pass rush for him down the road. I think he's just that. Zach Pickens, I think, is a, a solid third-round pick. I agree. He can do a little bit of everything. And then Jacqueline Roy out of LSU, again, I think, to me – He's a weird guy because he's only 305 pounds, but you watch him and you think he's a lot heavier than that and he's a plugger. So that's kind of how I view the 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 final four guys. If if you want to just take one or two and give a quick uh thumbnail.
1: Well, that's why I have Roy as a fourth round pick, because of exactly that. Ica is your typical zero technique, nose tackle, Pittsburgh Steelers type of uh, you know, three, four plugged in the middle guy. Zach Pickens, I like. I mean, if I'm looking for a three-technique tackle, I'm looking I'm looking more towards Zach Pickens in the third round than Kalijah Kansi in the first round. I mean, 6'4", 291 pounds, tested decently at the combine. You watch him. He is super quick off the snap with an explosive first step, which makes it at times impossible to block him. Plays with great head level, great leverage. I just think that Pickens is very underrated. I see all the love thrown, thrown towards Kansi. And I'm looking at Pickens, and I'm looking at Pickens' body of work, and I'm like, ah, you know what? I, I'd rather wait and get a guy like Pickens rather than expend early draft capital on a Kalaja Kansi. All
0: right, let's jump over to inside linebacker but first, folks. Just reminder: if you're enjoying this, go subscribe to Draft Season on your favorite podcast platform. If an Apple Podcast, leave a five star positive review. It would help us out a lot. And of course, you can also find this on the Giants app, podcast, and the Giants dot uh, com slash podcast. Remember, those on not a Giants podcast. It's a draft podcast. So make sure you go check it out. Tell your friends if they're big draft fans, even if they're not, you know, fans of the local teams here in New York. As you can see, we haven't mentioned the Giants once, except for the big flag behind me. Um, this entire podcast, we do drafts up, not necessarily a Giant focus. So if you have friends that are football fans, tell them to check it out. Uh, we try to inform and entertain you with, with some of this draft talk. All right, Tone, let's go to inside linebacker. Not the best year for inside linebackers and off-ball guys here. And your top guy is a second-round grade, Jack Campbell. I think he's probably my top inside linebacker, too. Uh, Drew Sanders at number two. Owen Papo, who tested very well from Auburn at number three. And then you're getting into the undersized crew, right? You got Henry Atola from Alabama, who I think you really like his instincts. And then Demario Overshone from Texas at five, who I think is an interesting athlete, a good player. Dayon Henley at number six out of Washington State, Noah Sewell number seven out of Oregon, D. Winters number eight out of TCU. You have a fourth round grade on him. Isaiah Moore fifth round grade out of NC State at uh, number nine on your list, and then Jeremy Banks out of Tennessee at number ten. Uh, I'll just throw a couple names at you, and then you can throw a couple back after you comment on mine, Tony. Um, I think Deion Henley's interesting. I realize he's very undersized. He's a converted safety, but boy, his coverage skills and linebacker are phenomenal. Um, I mean, I, I hate making these comparisons because he's so good, but if there's a Fred Warnery player in this draft, I think he's it. He doesn't have the length that Warner has, which I think kind of holds him back a little bit, but he's kind of that undersized inside linebacker. Uh, that's the one guy that kind of stands out to me in this group where I think you can get some good value on day two.
1: Yeah, and probably faster than Fred Warner. And as you said, I mean, <laughs> his cover skills, especially during senior bowl practice, were outstanding, and if you watch the Washington State film, he's basically used in the box and in pursuit. But the ability to make plays in reverse, and as we saw at the senior bowl, he was able to stay downfield, step for step, and cover running backs and tight ends in the one on one drills not just the scrimmage in the one on one drills. He really stood out.
0: And those so, drills are designed for linebackers to look bad, and he looked exactly. Good.
1: And, and, and he made the running backs and the tight ends look bad, which I think, like you said, one, 225 pounds. He's not doesn't have great rope potential, he's not going to be a 245 pound guy. But he's got that speed. He's got that, uh, you know, the ability to cover a great amount of area. Jack Campbell and Sanders, I have them neck and neck. Drew Sanders could be selected before Jack Campbell. Uh, Just Jack Campbell to me, he's just a a complete three-down linebacker. Tough run defender, can rush the passer, can play off the line of scrimmage. Popo, another another smaller guy like Henley, but can go sideline to sideline, covers a lot of area struggles getting through the traffic uh you know it's not it, it's gonna needs a free shot at the ball henry totoa you know a guy who's just been a real good player the past couple of years and like you said wasn't isn't the fastest guy four six five in the 40 but covers a lot of area sees the play and recognizes what's going to happen before it does same thing with noah sewell and i know noah sewell Didn't have the production that people expected this season. Did not have the great year that people expected. But when I talked to Oregon people, that was the design. He was there to occupy blockers and and set the edge as much as he was to make plays on the ball. Ran a 4-6-4 at the Combine. He's just a smart, instinctive guy that is a real good run defender. One of my favorite guys, who is probably going to go in the fifth round, Isaiah Moore of North Carolina State had a good uh, six, two and a half, 233 pounds, ran four, six, eight at the pro day, has played in both the four, three and the four and the three, four at North Carolina State. He's tough. He's smart. Interviewed him at the Shrine game. He is a guy that, you know, you want to be behind him if, if, if things get, get tough, if there's about to be a throwdown because he is that type of tough guy, a tough guy. And just a real good football player who I think is going to be underdrafted and is going to go much later uh, than people expect. And we've seen that with inside linebackers before. They go day three and they turn into real good starters on Sunday. That's where I like Isaiah Moore of North Carolina State.
0: Yeah, the D. Winters covered well at the Senior Bowl as well on a couple reps, but I wish he tested better. His testing at the combine just wasn't great for a guy that size at 5'11", 227. And then help tell me about Jeremy Banks, Tony. Because we have not—that's the first time his name's been mentioned on this podcast all year. I haven't watched him. Give me the lowdown on Jeremy Banks.
1: Sort of your Owen Popo type in the sense that six foot and a half, two hundred thirty-two pounds good uh, run and chase type of pursuit linebacker. He's tough though. I I mean, Banks is tough. He will throw down. He, you know, he will come up and challenge the bigger ball carries, the bigger tight ends. Uh, He's not afraid, you know, to compete, to throw his body around the field. But he's just small. And, you know, he's got the same issues as Popo. And being that he is that small, he's going to struggle getting through the traffic and he needs a free shot at the ball. I do like Banks a lot, though. I like him a lot as a pursuit type of linebacker who's also probably going to be a very good special teams player on coverage units. And that's something we don't talk about. When you get those guys in the later rounds, you know, you're maybe looking at them as your fifth, sixth, seventh linebacker who really stand out on special teams. That's where Jeremy Banks fits in.
0: All right, let's go to cornerback here, Tony. And we've talked a lot about this group Is it's such a deep group. And we have 10 here. I'm going to throw other names out that you couldn't even get into your top 10 that are going to be day two picks. I mean, we're going to have 12, 15-ish corners maybe go in the first three rounds. It's going to be pretty crazy. So... Christian Gonzalez is your number one. Devon Witherspoon, your number two. Joey Porter Jr., your number three. Deontay Banks, your number four. Uh, that I think is generally the not maybe not that order, but the top four guys. That's kind of chalky if you look at a lot of the people that 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 do draft stuff. DJ Turner, I think you're a little bit higher on than other people. Yeah, you have him as a one-two, a little undersized at one seventy-eight, but ran a ridiculous four-two-six. Really good movement skills out of Michigan uh, at number five. And then you have a bunch of guys, and there's going to be a second-round run here, Tony, and you have these guys all stacked up very close to each other, with all with second-round grades. Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Keith Lee Ringo out of Georgia. Smith's teammate, Darius Rush, out of South Carolina. You have Emmanuel Forbes all the way down at number nine, mostly, I imagine, because he's 166 pounds, because I think he is round one tape. And then you have Eli Ricks out of Alabama, Oh, boy, you know, we can get more into him. I, he scares the heck out of me, but he's got the tools, right, and he has the pedigree at 6'2", 188 out of Alabama at number 10. So go wherever you want with this group.
1: First, I'll say, you know, it's funny you say you're going to have 14, 15 uh, cornerbacks taken in the first two rounds. I have 15 cornerbacks with solid first, second, or third round grade. That's the go. number that I have, Okay. A lot of people like Witherspoon over Gonzalez. I was not big on Gonzalez until I watched him play until I watched the film. And I saw a guy who was exceptional in man coverage. The one thing I love about uh, Gonzalez, like Witherspoon is does a great job making plays with his back to the ball. He gets his head back around. He tracks the pass in the air. Doesn't play the receiver's hands. Doesn't do a uh, much face guarding. Probably not as good in zone coverage as Devin Witherspoon is, but he's much faster. Witherspoon, there was questions as to whether or not he was going to run. Finally ran a pro day, ran the mid 4-4s, four which is really a good time for Witherspoon. With Gonzalez, 6'1", one 197, ran 4-3 at the combine. So I think he's just got to improve his play in zone. But I love his game. I love his upside. Witherspoon is probably the most polished of all the cornerbacks. I mean, he's got the best body of work. He's physical. He's tough. I think that mid 4-4 four four time at his own individual pro day just a couple of weeks ago, you know, eased some concerns about him. But he's got to show that speed on field because he doesn't show himself to be a real fast cornerback. He's tough, he's feisty, and he's instinctive. Joey Porter Jr., I think he's got great upside. I think he's got to polish his game. Six, two and a half, 193 pounds, made an impact at Penn State, stepping on the field as a freshman. Obviously has the bloodlines. Just has to polish the details of his game. Deontay Banks is a guy who, in a lot of ways, came out of nowhere. I mean, no one was talking about Deontay Banks in August. But what was happening was the Maryland Terrapin coaches were telling scouts, you better watch this guy. Tested great at the combine, six foot, 197 pounds, ran a four, three, five. But he's also a good player. You watch yeah. the film, he's like Christian Gonzalez in man coverage. He gets downfield, he gets his head back around, tracks the ball in the air, and positions himself. So it's He's not just a big, fast guy. He's a big, fast guy who's also a real good cornerback.
0: A lot of right. press man from him on his tape. They were on almost all press man.
1: And he did a good job of it. Yep. He did a good job of it. And think thing about D.J. Turner is you're right. I'm higher on D.J. Turner the most, but I look at D.J. Turner. He was a real good cornerback for three years at uh, Michigan. He's a guy who has got terrific ball skills. Sometimes it's tough to really scout him because opposing quarterbacks were purposely staying away from him, goes to the combine, runs the four, two, six, you know, you hear about all these, this team is a slot corner. This team needs a slot corner. This team is a slot corner. DJ Turner is the guy who is, in my opinion, one of the best slot corners in, in this draft. Uh, you know, you go down the, uh, down the list, you know, I agree with you about Eli Ricks. I think he started basically what started seven games last year. He started, uh, uh, I don't even think it, it, it barely double digits the past three years at LSU and Alabama. He's been injured, ran a four five five at pro day, but you watch the film and you can see the underlying skills for Eli Ricks to be potentially a big time corner at the
0: next level. You know, it's funny though, but then your... there are other reps where you see him like stumble. I've never seen a corner stumble more than I've seen Eli Ricks stumble, and I'm like. You're an elite athlete. How are you like almost falling down on double moves? I don't understand. Uh, uh, Eli Ricks, you got to remember, there
1: were people early on who thought that Eli Ricks was a first round prospect. I never bought into that. I felt that Eli Ricks really should have gone back to Alabama and really develop his game and show some durability and show more production on the field and really Come, come into the draft as more of a finished pros, uh, prospect yeah. then, or product, then maybe would have been a first-round pick in 2024. He chose to leave. There's a lot of risk. It, it's not only because he's going to be drafted later, but so many curves, the learning curve, the playing curve, the competition curve is so much steeper on Sunday than it is on Saturday. It may be a little bit difficult for him. But, you know, at times when he flashes the brilliance, you're like, wow, and he is a tough physical player. And you're right about Forbes. I just, you know, six foot one half inch, 170 pounds. He struggles, you know, defending the contested throw on Saturday. How's that going to do on Sunday? How's he going to support the run on Sunday? Is he an outside starting corner? Is he a slot corner? Is he a nickel? You know, what is he at that size? And if he puts on 10 to 15 pounds, is he going to the same four three five cornerback? That we saw, you know, the past cup the past two seasons anyway at Mississippi State as well as at the
0: combine. Yeah, I want to focus in on that kind of group of Cam Smith, Keeley Ringo, Darius Rush that you have there, Tony, because to me they're all pretty similar, right? They're, you know, around the same height. Keely Ringo's the biggest. He had the the best eh, tied with Rush for the 40 time. Then Ringo right. ran his agility drills in three cone, and they were a disaster. I mean, they were bad. So I, I still don't <laughs> know quite how he fits. And then I think, look, Cam Smith, I think, is is probably going to be a, a a pretty good man corner. I think he's a safe second-round pick. And then Darius Rush is interesting because I believe he's a converted wide receiver, right? And you saw those skills at the Senior Bowl where he, when he played press man at the Senior Bowl, Tony, he was running routes for guys, and he got interceptions, got his hands on the football. Now, he had some rough um, reps, too, where he got burnt on a couple of double moves. But to me, if you're looking for a press man corners, I feel much better about Cam Smith and Russia than I do Ringo, who I know has a lot of talent. But there are some stuff on tape that really scares me.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and there's some off the field issues with Smith as far as maturity that really has teams concerned, which is why he's not going to be a first round choice. I mean, we were talking about Cam Smith two months ago as a potential mid first round pick. He's not going to go on the first round and he's very unpolished. Talked about how you know uh, Deontay Banks and Christian Gonzalez makes plays with their back to the ball and gets their head back around and doesn't face guard. I see a lot of face guarding when I see Cam Smith.
0: As far as a lot Keely of Ringo, flags down the field on him on tape because
1: he can't get his head yep. head back around. He doesn't. He doesn't get his head back around. He doesn't track the ball. It's funny you mentioned Keeley Ringo runs a great forty time, but then the other numbers were terrible. That's what we see with Keeley Ringo on film. He makes Absolutely. some great plays. And then there are sometimes you're wondering, what the heck's going on? And people focus on the highlights rather than getting deep into the film. Because when you get deep into the film, you know, you see a guy who struggles staying with receivers out of their breaks, a guy who struggles sometimes getting his head back around to track the pass in the air, doesn't properly position himself, doesn't find the ball in the air. Yeah, everybody loves those highlights. And to his credit, he played well down the stretch in that semifinal game against Ohio State, made some big plays. But when you look at the overall body of work, it doesn't come close to the Christian Gonzalez or even Deontay Banks, who really was a a one-year standout at, at Maryland. Darius Rush, you're looking at upside. You're looking at a guy who made the transition to cornerback. He's got excellent size. He's got excellent speed. You're saying he's good now. He could be outstanding down the road. You know, We could get this guy in round two, and he could be an outstanding starting outside corner for us with that size. With that speed and with those ball skills that he's flashed, we'll just have to develop him more.
0: Yeah, and we mentioned what a deep position this is. So, Tony, I'm going to throw some other names at you, and if you want to add some, you can. These are other guys that I think could go on day two. Julius Brents, the big yep. cornerback, 6'4", tested extremely well, was really, really good Um for some reps, a 6'3", pardon me, uh, at the Senior Bowl. I think he has a chance to get into even the end of round two, uh, at worst, the beginning of round three. Uh, Not a lot of slot corners in this draft, Tony. It's kind of been inundated with slot guys the last few years, but one of the guys that I like on day two is Clark Phillips, who's kind of like a stout, good cover guy. He's more of a slot. You know, I think Stanford's Caillou Blue Kelly could get into the third round. Solid, bigger guy. He can play outside if you need him. He doesn't wow you, but I think he'll be a solid player. I like Terrell Smith out of Minnesota. I think he's a guy that's going to be a day-two pick. You want a press man corner that can run? I think he's a guy that that I think could be a a, a late day-two pick in round three. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson of Miami is somebody I know a lot of people like. I've seen him slip into the first round in some mock drafts. I don't know. He's kind of in that Keeley-Ringo neighborhood for me with some stuff on tape that kind of scares me a little bit. I don't think he's consistent right. enough. And then Garrett Williams out of Syracuse is another guy, right? He's a, another kind of a slotty guy. He's dealing with an ACL injury. We'll see when he's ready. But I know people, and you see it on tape, his movement skills are very, very strong. So pick out any of those guys you want, agree or disagree, have have at it.
1: I'll go two disagrees first. Kai Blue Kelly, I got him graded graded much lower. I, you know, I agree with you, and we saw at the Senior Bowl. When Kai Blue Kelly is facing the action, you put him in his own system, you back him off the line of scrimmage looks very good. Can't make plays with his back to the ball. I I mean, he's worse than some of the guys we talked about earlier on who never get their head back around, does a lot of grabbing, doesn't track the ball in the air. So Kai Blue Kelly, you're going to have to play him facing the action. No doubt about it. Terrell Smith. I love his upside. I like his future potential. But I think he's a ways off as uh, compared to Deontay Banks. Really started to take the uh, position this year, had some solid reps and some solid days of practice at the Shrine game, which is why I have him graded as a uh, fourth round pick right now. Completely agree with you on Clark Phillips. I mean, if Clark Phillips was three inches taller, we're talking about Clark Phillips as a top 42 choice. He's feisty, he's aggressive, he's got outstanding ball skills. He does a great job getting his head back around to track the ball in the air. But the fact is that 5'9, he's gonna lose out to those 6'2 receivers when the ball is in the air. It's just a matter of height. Love his game, but the measurables kind of push him down. Tyreek Stevenson, I've liked him since his days at Georgia, but there's never been a consistent consistent, you know, upward mo- uh, motion with his game. He's all over the place. There's a lack of balance there. He's tall. He's he's explosive. He's very quick. He shows flashes. He's got to put it together. I do like Garrett Williams a lot. He's going to have to rebound from that ACL, but he showed uh, he showed a lot of ability. Uh, his battle against Charlie Jones in that Purdue game is something to watch. Uh, I think you know I have him as a third round pick. It's obviously going to take a while to see where he get how soon he gets back. Julius Sprints is is sort of a guy who shows flashes. He's sort of like the defensive end from Kansas State in that he's got a lot of upside, he's got a lot of potential, but he needs more consistency.
0: Yeah, I think for a guy his size, he needs to be a little more physical, too. I think he could be, but he doesn't show that on tape quite enough at the line of scrimmage. Also, All right, safety. beaten like
1: a drum by uh, Quentin Johnston in that TCU uh, – uh, in that uh, Big 12 title game against TCU.
0: Yeah, yeah. we, yeah, we K- Really good game, by the way, that Kansas State TCU. was. Julius, Julius Brents had some issues in that game, no question. All right, safety. This, You know, Tony, you could argue this is the weakest position in the draft. I don't think many would disagree. I think linebacker is kind of in that category, too, right? Um, Brian Branch, we talked a ton about him. Safety slot, take your pick. Um, Sydney Brown, I know both of us really like him. He wowed us in Mobile at the senior Bowl. can play at the line of scrimmage, rocked up, great body, um, good ball skills, can tackle. He kind of chucks all the boxes for you. Um, right. then let's, these are the, the, the next group we haven't talked about quite as much Antonio Johnson at Texas AM, and a lot of people like him. Jordan Battle did not test really well out of Alabama, JL Skinner out of Boise State. Uh, Mountain Martin out of Illinois, another Illinois corner, uh, defensive back rather. Uh, Jamie Robinson out of Florida State. Chris Smith out of Georgia. I consider them in the same kind of category as slotty safety types. And then Jair Brown and Daniel Scott uh, finish off your top ten. Those last four four guys with day three grades from you, Tony. You can touch on anyone you want or just talk about the position in general. Robinson's a good
1: player, just not a great athlete. Same thing with uh, for, for our State. Same thing with Chris Smith of Georgia. I mean, both of these guys are good football players.
0: Boy, They're Chris insane. Smith's testing. Oh boy!
1: Uh, same thing with Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson yeah. was not that great. Barely uh, got under four six. Uh, I mean, his 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 numbers were not that great either. So, and they both uh, both fought 10 and a half Robinson is, is one ninety one. Smith is one uh, hundred ninety two pounds, and and neither of them, uh, neither of them are fast. And you know, where do you draft a defensive back? who can who barely breaks four, six
0: in the 40. Do you yeah, and their tape's it? good. Like you mentioned, their tape's good. And then both guys, Robinson and Smith, are both good at the senior bowl too.
1: And Smith's tape is, is outstanding, really. I, I mean, I, you know, the, the four or five, eight really killed them, but they're both good football players, which is why I have them as day three picks. The question is, are they traditional free safeties? Does the lack of speed have it? So you have to play them in a zone type system. I, I mean, I, I think a lot has to be determined in the system they play in the team that they uh that selects him and you know how do you use them? can you play him over a slot receiver or is that the lack of deep speed a liability yeah. Jair brown is pretty much the same sort of a player 5'11 and a half 203 pounds 457 in the 40 smart tough instinctive but just not a great athlete and that's why i have all those guys as fourth round picks daniel scott is a guy who he is athletic, ran 445. He's got excellent size at 6'1, 208 pounds. He just doesn't show that great sideline to sideline range. He's more of a downhill type of safety, which I think you're gonna have to use in a zone type of system. You know, those guys are those scheme-specific guys a box safety, your, your prototypical strong safety. They don't have the same attractiveness. On draft they say a guy like Sidney Brown or a guy like Brian Branch who can go sideline to sideline, you can place them over the slot receiver, and they're not going to be a liability. And again, go back to the special teams factor. You know, Daniel Scott, you're going to look at him as a zone safety, downhill guy, but you really also get the added benefit of a gunner on special teams where he really should stand out.
0: All right, they run down your four third-round guys too, Tony, because I don't think we've mentioned these guys a ton. Antonio Johnson, Jordan Battle, Jail Skinner, on Jartavius Morton.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people like Antonio Johnson. He just doesn't do it for me. And I'll go back and watch the film to see if I'm missing something. That's what I do at this point, point during the year. I'll go back, and if some if play, some people have other players rated higher than I do. I'll, I'll say I'll go take a look back and see if I'm missing something. He just doesn't have that great sideline-to-sideline side range. A uh, Jordan Battle, you know, he kind of fits in with the Jamie Robinson, Chris Smith types in the sense that real good football player, sideline to sideline, was a great compliment to Brian Branch at Alabama, a real playmaker. But again, runs a four five five, so that's why I have him in the third round. Uh, Skinner is excellent size, six three and a 29 pounds, runs in the uh, runs under four five, more of a downhill type of hard hitting safety with solid movement skills. I don't think he's a traditional free safety jartavis martin is probably the wild card here he's the guy who could be from illinois could go in the third round could end up starting 5'11, 193 pounds tested incredibly well came out of nowhere this year because as a senior he was not even graded by scouts coming in the season had a phenomenal year is the safety that you can line up over the slot receiver shows good ball skills a little bit unpolished in his game but has got a great amount of upside And, and he in my opinion anyway could be the sleeper at the safety position in this year's draft. In the sense, sleeper, I mean that I don't think he's going to go, you know, in the first round, but I think two or three years down the road, they could be saying, wow, how did Jartavius Martin get out of the top 60 picks in the 2023 NFL draft?
0: All right, let's get to some questions here on Twitter, Tony. This one from uh, at Stacey Patton, 89. He wants to know, how do you view interior defensive line prospects who have the tools to be effective pass rushers or tackle for loss guys, but haven't done it yet? How do you work in the role that they were asked to play in college, which might be, you know, playing a little two gap uh, into that evaluation when you try to figure out what their potential is?
1: Well, I mean, that would be a guy like Carl Brooks, who we saw at the Senior ball. was a combine snub. You know, he's quick, he's explosive, but he's not the biggest guy in the world, and he's not the strongest guy in the world. So and you got to look at the level of competition. you got to look at, uh, you know, how they played and their productivity on the college level. And then you have to project it to the next level. Uh, I, I mean, Kalijah Kansi is just the opposite, right? Kalijah Kansi smaller. He's very athletic. He was incredibly, insanely productive but he played on a a defensive line that had a lot of talent. So, you know, you've got to, in my opinion, project to not only what's going to happen on draft day, but two or three years down the line, a guy like Carl Brooks of Bowling Green, I think fits that perfectly, which is why I have him as a potential steal on day
0: three. All right, let's go to at Marty Gennaro, John and Tony. Are there any of the smaller linebackers who are fast enough that you think they might project the safety at the next level, Tony?
1: Um, I don't know that there's, I I think it's more, you got safeties, larger safeties who may project to uh linebacker. I, I, I mean, you know, Dee Winters is a smaller guy at 227 pounds. Ivan Pace of Cincinnati, who we saw at the, at the uh, Shrine game, five ten and a half, and 222 pounds runs a four, five, nine. Uh, I'm looking at my list here. Sean White of Oklahoma, 214 pounds. Uh, I would look at it. I don't see any of that. I would look at it the other way, safeties who may ultimately project to linebackers at the next level, bigger safeties, I should say.
0: Yeah, that's how generally you guys move. I agree with you. Victor Suarez, what is your opinion of Brandon Hill, safety for Pitt?
1: Yeah. Physical, decent athlete. I hate to use the word headhunter, but he's always looking to intimidate people. Doesn't have great sidelines to sideline range, more opportunistic than he is a playmaker. And there is a difference Uh, You know, I like his upside. I have him as a day three pick. I think he's got to polish his game. And again, Brandon Hill in that, uh, that, in that pick the Panther secondary benefited from the play up front from their defensive line.
0: Evan Decker, Tony, who's the best late round blitzing linebacker? And why is it Ivan Pace Jr.?
1: Why isn't it Ivan Pace Jr.? Because Ivan Pace Jr. is small. Uh, Let me just pull up my, uh, my list here for a second. I mean, Ivan Pace Jr. is under six foot, uh, under uh, 230 pounds. The best late-round blitzing linebacker, I like Andre Jones of Louisiana, 6'4 248 pounds, four seven six. I think Isaiah Land of Florida A&M, who got a lot of preseason hype, which he really didn't deserve, but he's still a good football player. You're looking at a day three blitzing linebacker. Jose Ramirez of Eastern Michigan, who did a great job of it at uh, Eastern Michigan the past two years. He's got to get a little bit bigger. You know, maybe Andre Carter of Army. If he gets drafted later on, here's a name to remember, or two names to remember: Celeb Murphy of Ferris State, six three and a 254 pounds, was a terror on the Division two level at uh, at Ferris State, just rushing the passer. And a guy who really doesn't get much talk at all, Darrell Johnson of Liberty, six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds, ran a four six five at uh, his product. I think last year he had like twenty five tackles for loss. And, you know, in the year, in the day and age of Malik Willis, when you watch the Liberty film, when you watch it both ways, it was Darrell Johnson who may end up not even getting selected in the draft, which I think would be a sin, uh, who was an outstanding stand up three, four outside linebacker type. All
0: right. Michael James, one of our giant fan followers, wants to know. Do you think the Giants could wait until pick 89 to draft one of the to draft a future corner that can start for you, or is that too long of a wait? Should they try to attack one earlier?
1: Well, I mean, we just talked about that, right? I I mean, pick 89, maybe Tariq Stevenson is there. We didn't talk about Riley Moss, who is, you know, a terrific uh, cornerback with outstanding ball skills. You know, I, I mean, are you going to get a starter at pick 89? Potentially you could in this draft because there's so many uh, good players. I mean, if you're looking for an outside corner, I mean, uh, Stevenson's six foot one half inch, 198 pounds, Riley Moore, six foot one half inch, 194 pounds. And, you know, Moss has been probably more consistent than Stevenson as far as his ball skills are concerned. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to say better than 50-50, yes,
0: all right, let's go to Alaska Mac. Where's that mask? What is that? No, Alaska Mac. I had right. Which day two, three nose tackles could the Seahawks look to fill Alwoods and Puna Ford spots? Uh,
1: okay. Well, I, I don't think it's going to go early. Uh, if you're talking about Puna Ford, maybe Keandre Coburn of Texas, who I have right now is a fifth round choice. Gerard Clark of Coastal Carolina. Oh. Two different types of players. Clark is more of your gap occupier. KeAndre Coburn is more of your playmaker. I think both of those guys are day three nose tackle types uh, that can be had. Later on, maybe PJ Mustafer of uh Penn State. He's more of a four-three uh, or he played more of a four-three defensive tackle position at Penn State, but still six foot four, 320 pounds, very explosive, can also fill that, that role. He's gonna be a day
0: three pick. At Nico M4NX, John and Tony love the show. Is Edger defensive line the bigger need for the Giants? And any talent you foresee available here in rounds two or three? Uh, I think defensive line is probably a bigger need because Leonard Williams is going into the last year of his contract. Dexter Lawrence is going into the last year of his contract. So I think there is more of a need there. But I would not be surprised if they added an edge rusher, given Aziz Ojulari struggles with injuries his first couple of years in the league, which was a big war- reason, by the way, he dropped. Yep. Uh, to round two. Uh, KJ Henry, uh, Tony, from Clemson. This question is from at Giant Things. Uh, where do you think he'll go in terms of round, and what do you think the best situation for him is to succeed at the NFL level? KJ Henry, a talented edge player out of Clemson.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, kind of fits in with the last question, right? If the Giants are looking for an edge rusher day three, KJ Henry may, I don't think he's going to get into uh, into day two, but a guy who was a consistent player for a number of years at Clemson that had a ton of, uh, a ton of, of, uh, uh, of talent on that defensive line. We talk about Miles Murphy. We talk about Breeze, but they still had, they had KJ Henry. They got guys who are coming back next year. Uh, I, I think a little bit underrated, underappreciated can stand over tackle can come out of a three point stance. And again, I think he's more of a day three type of, uh, of, of selection. Goes hand in hand with the last question from the, the gentleman who asked, you know, what about pass rushes? Well, you know, KJ Henry sitting there in the fifth round, six, four and a half, 251 pounds, uh, you know, it'd be tough to pass up.
0: Agree. All right. Um, Jeff Smith wants to know. I do not know who will be available on day two or three. We'll like to know about pass rushes and linebackers who might be there for us to draft. Well, I think we went through those on our rankings, Jeff. So hopefully you got what needed out of that. Uh, Jim McHugh. He wants to ask about linebacker Isaiah Land, who you just talked about. Tony also wants to know about linebacker Anthony Orgy. Then he has a couple yeah. other pos- uh, positions. Why don't we touch on Anthony Orgy first?
1: Orgy is your prototypical middle inside linebacker. He's a guy who you know made a lot of plays against the run, uh, very smart, very aggressive. Then tested off the charts at the combine. People were expecting this guy to run a four eight. He ran in the low four five, uh, in, the, in the mid four fives. So he tested much better than anybody expected. I got to interview him at the shrine game. I shook his hand. I thought he was going to break every bone in my hand. That's the type of uh, build that this type of makeup he has goes to Vanderbilt. So, you know, he's smart. I think he's a day three pick. If you're looking for a two down run defending linebacker, you're looking towards orgy in the later rounds.
0: All right. Then he also wants to know about defensive tackles. Brooks, who you just talked about, right from Bowling Green. Um Pickens, who we talked about in the defensive tackle group, he also wants to know about Keandre Corburn. You kind of mentioned in passing, Tony, at a right. Texas. Tell me about him. Yeah, Corburn was a guy
1: who really caught my eye early on as a freshman. He's, you know, sort of that bowling ball, sawed off type of uh, defensive tackle, six one and a half, three hundred twenty two pounds, explosive, quick. Doesn't always play like an overpowering three hundred twenty two pound defensive tackle does, as uh, or as you would expect. But he he moves very well. He shows himself to be a good pass rusher. Can change direction. He's more of your one gap to, uh, nose tackle, if you will. You know, one gap meaning you line up three guys with their hands in the ground. You have your op, your outside linebacker basically standing up over tackle. I think that's where Coburn is a good fit. I, I'm disappointed in him in that sense that when I watched him as a uh, as a freshman. And I I took my notes on him. I expected him to be much better this later in his career, much more advanced than he is. I expected him to be a top, you know, potential 60 pick. And we're not talking about him like that.
0: All right. And then finally, he wants to know about Tyreek Stevenson, who we've talked about, uh, Darius Rush, who we've talked about. And then Riley Moss, you just mentioned, Tony. And as soon as you mentioned them, I'm like, oh, John, you forgot to mention him as a day two corner. I think Riley Moss is a day two cornerback. I think he's a better player than Caillou Kelly, who I mentioned earlier. I yep. think Moss is good. I think he's a good athlete. He's got size. He can run. Uh, I think he's going to be a real solid pro. I'm not sure if he's a press man guy. I think you maybe want him facing the action a little bit. Uh, Your more detailed thoughts on Moss.
1: Yeah, I would disagree with that because, you know, it's funny. I had to go back and watch Lucas Van Ness because I didn't do him the first time I went through my Iowa film. And again, I became more appreciative of Riley Moss, Let's the way he's able to run the downfield with opponents, the way he gets his head back around, tracks the pass in the air, makes his move to the throw, positions himself against the receiver, and defends the pass. So I think you can play him because he's he's good in transition. He gets his head, doesn't do a lot of face guarding. I think he's got to be more consistent. I mean, he's just very underappreciated in a lot of ways. Again, go back to one of the earlier questions. You know, Can the Giants get a cornerback at 89 that's available that could potentially be a starter? I think it's Riley Morse. I don't know if he's going to start in 2023, but I think down the road, Riley Morse is going to be a real good cornerback that can play in a variety of schemes.
0: Tony, good stuff, my friend. I have a question about who the giants would take at 25. I'll save that till next week. When we do our big draft questions on our final mock, any final thoughts before we say goodbye?
1: No, good show. I mean, we packed it all in here. Didn't we have a lot of questions. I mean, uh, you know, next week we'll have a lot more information, hopefully. I mean, you got to kind of decide which is true and which is just somebody throwing a lot of garbage out there. And uh, we're getting closer, right, John?
0: Yeah, no questions. Well, we're going to try to do two shows next week. We're going to do a show Monday and Wednesday and just try to get the big questions answered from the draft, and then we'll get Tony's final what he's hearing and final mock draft. I think what I might do, I think I might just have Tony do the final mock himself, and I'll kind of pepper him with questions throughout. But we'll figure that out. We'll get those two out to you next week, Monday and Wednesday, as we head up to the draft, which is a week away. For Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmelk. This is Draft Season.